Welcome, everyone. I'm Tim Jamal, CEO of NAOP SoCal. I'm pleased to welcome you all to our podcast series where we interview those who shape and drive commercial real estate in Southern California. NAOP SoCal is the premier association representing commercial real estate in LA and Orange counties. More than 1,000 real estate professionals and executives and 500 of the top commercial real estate firms in Southern California are part of NAOP SoCal. We provide networking, top-notch education, and public policy advocacy for our members. We are very pleased to welcome to the podcast today, Kevin Shannon. Kevin joined Newmark as co-head of U.S. Capital Markets in December of 2015. He leads a team of 33 professionals focused on the disposition and acquisition of investment properties across several asset classes on behalf of domestic and offshore investors in 16 markets throughout the Western United States. In the course of his 35 plus year career, Kevin has sold more than 65 billion of office, industrial, self-storage, retail, land, and mixed use assets. Kevin has received many honors and has been involved in numerous landmark sales, recapitalizations, and joint ventures across the country, primarily for institutional clients in the markets of Los Angeles, Orange County, San Francisco, Seattle, Denver, Houston, Phoenix, and Los Angeles. Kevin, you've done a lot. <laughs> uh, Kevin is a frequent guest lecturer at USC and is also a long-serving board member of the USC Lusk Center for Real Estate. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Well, let's just, you know, let's let's go back a bit. Um, you know, I know you, you, everyone seems to know you, <laughs> but maybe not the entire community. I, I, you know, if you could just tell us where you grew up and what were your uh, experiences were like as, as a as a young lad? Well, as a young lad, I would say I was, uh, I was like an army brat. Um, you know, my, my dad was a successful CPA for Arthur Young and, uh, we moved frequently. Um, I, you know, in, in grade school, I was in four different schools. Um, so we moved, you know, every two years, it seemed like. And then, you know, in high school, um, I started, you know, I was enrolled at modern day, Ended up moving to Houston and went to Strake Jesuit for a couple of years there. And then uh, we moved back to uh, L.A. and, and I finished my high school at uh, Notre Dame in Sherman Oaks. So um, I was like an army brat. And uh, I think that that experience actually moving constantly and being forced to meet new people and develop new relationships, um, I think, helped me in my career for what I do. But uh, I, I've made it a point uh, with my own children to make sure they don't have to go through that because that was that was tough. Um, moving so often was 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 clearly challenging. So, but uh, that's where I grew up, basically everywhere. Yeah, I appreciate that. I I mean I I didn't have that. I I had friends that that had done that, and I always struck me as like how hard that would be. Like I I never wanted to you know move. I like my friends, and um, so that's that's a big challenge. Yeah, no. When I uh, when I left uh, Strike Jesuit and moved from Houston back to to the Valley, um, we moved to Encino. I was the only kid in high school I can tell you wearing uh, embroidered shirts and cowboy boots. So <laughs> it was. It, I quickly changed the, my rope wardrobe. But uh, yeah, no, it, it, it was hard. It, it was hard. And uh, again, I wouldn't want my own 
children have to go through that. But I, I do think it did help me in a lot of ways. Well, yeah, I, I'm curious. Did, did you did you have any influencers or role models when you were growing up? I mean, you moved a lot. You, you know, know, it's it, my, my my parents were my biggest role models. Um, you know, I moved a lot. They were obviously a constant there. Um, you know, my uh, my mom came from a really religious family. Uh, two of her sisters were nuns. Um, other two sisters didn't get married, and so. Uh, she actually was going to join the convent and, uh, um, grandpa, thank God said, you know, no, I want you to get married and have some grandkids. And so I'm happy about that. Um, <laughs> and my, my father's yeah. family was very religious. Um, but my dad was also, uh, very fond of sports and, uh, I was fortunate, you know, when he was a CPA, especially with sports accounting. So he did the accounting for the Dodgers and Walter O'Malley and, and Jack Kent Cook and the Kings and the, Lakers. And so, uh, oh, wow. also, he also did the accounting for the 1984 Olympics. So, uh, the benefit to me is, uh, was I got to go to a lot of great sporting events and, uh, you know, my passion for sports mirrored my dad. So, uh, but I'd say those were my two biggest role models. Uh, I remember the name Jack Kent. Well, I lived in the DC area for many years and he was a, a frequent name that came up in that market. Um, well, so let me ask you this. Did, 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 did you have, did you have aspirations to be a, a CPA when you were growing up? Never. I, uh, <laughs> I, I never wanted to be a CPA. Um, I wanted to be a, uh, I actually wanted to be a football player or a basketball player. Um, I wanted to be Jerry West, um, as a recall, but, uh, obviously we, I, I didn't pursue that. Well, well, let me, so yeah, that's a good, that's, that's a nice aspiration. Um, so were your, can, can I, were your, your interests, you know, extracurricular activities where they focused on sports or other things? I know you moved a lot. So did you take up like the types of things that were unique to the places where you lived or was there a constant set of activities and extracurricular stuff that you like to do? I mean, I, I went, my father and I, you know, I had three younger sisters. So my dad and I hung up, uh, went to a lot of sporting events, um, and, and so I, you know, my, I, I loved going to Laker games. Um, when I was in Houston, I was going to the Astrodome and I was, you know, going to the Houston Arrows and watching Gordy Howe. And, and, uh, and so it's, it's, uh, you know, growing up, I just remember going to a lot of sporting events and, and, uh, you know, my dad, um, did take me, you know, we went duck hunting and pheasant hunting a few times. Um, but you know, my passion was, you know, playing sports and, and watching sports, uh, that was probably clearly where I spent most of my time in free time. Did you play in high school? You know, I was training for the modern day freshman football team. I got transferred to straight Jesuit, so I couldn't play there. Um, and so the travel, the, this three, the three different high schools didn't really work out. Um, so I, I, I did not get a chance to play in high school. Now modern days, a <clears throat> a juggernaut, as you know, uh, my my son went to Mission Viejo High School, and we had to face them a couple times in the semifinals. And you know, we were a, a public school, darn good one. But when we faced up against them, you know, you had uh, D one players at all positions, three deep. <laughs> yeah, so no, it was yeah. a, it was not very fun to play them. Yeah, no, it was uh, the big rivalry back then was Bishop of Mont Modern Day, and 
modern day is still unbelievable today, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a juggernaut for sure. Um, so tell me about your college experience. I, I know I noted it in your bio, but, uh, how was that? Why did you decide to, uh, go to school where you went and, and how did it shape you today? You know, I, um, it was, I went to USC and it was a great experience and, um, I'll forever be in, in gratitude to the university. Um, I, you know, I went to USC. I, I, I went there, you know, because my best friend went there to be honest. And so, um, you know, Matt Galt and I both went to SC, um, my, you know, my parents wanted me to go to the Catholic school, but I, uh, after, uh, 16 years of Catholic schools, I was ready to go to USC. And, um, you know, and, and I, you know, what happened when I was at SC, there was, um, I took a, in my sophomore year, I took an introductory real estate class with Rocky Tarantello. Um, and I, and the, the real estate hook was, was, was sank in there. I, uh, I came out of that class and I, I knew what I wanted to do in my career. I wanted to do real estate and, uh, and my passion for real estate um, was really due to that that Rocky Tarantello, um, and I ended up taking you know 24 units of real estate at SC because I, I I I instantly knew what I wanted to do there, and and uh, and I you know I, I always sing Rocky's praises, but uh, the influence he had on my life was was real and insignificant. So you didn't, I mean, but I but I thought I heard is you didn't pick USC because you were you had decided a career in real estate is after you got there. Yeah, it was after I got there. It was, uh, again, an intro introductory real estate class. Um, that really just, I, I, I took that class and said, this is what I'm going to do. Great. So where, so what, so take me after college, where did you start? Where did, or did you get started during college? Was it an internship or how did you get, get, uh, your starting in the commercial real estate industry? You know, I started um, at the Sealy Company, and uh, and and to this day, a lot of my good friends are from the Sealy Company, and including Rob Introbius, your president. Um, and you know, Sealy Company was was became Collier's, um, and so I I was you know I went there out of college. Um, they hired about twenty five students out of college, and they created a commercial division. The company historically was a great industrial company. Um, and they decided they wanted to get into the commercial real estate business and do office as well. Um, they hired 20, about 25 people um, out of college, gave us a three-week training program, and, uh, and then said, let's go. And so uh, that's how I started. Um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a hard place to start to do office leasing. And uh, I do know, you know, two years after they started that program, I think I was one of three of the 25 that remained um, and continued mm -hmm. to pursue it. So there was a, it wasn't easy just instantly becoming a, uh, an office, office brokerage company. Talk about those challenges a bit. I'm just curious because that's kind of the next question anyway. What are the cha what challenges you face getting going? Well, I mean, it was, I mean, the Sealy Company Colliers was not known as a office leasing company. Um, you know, other, some of the major competitors had that, um, reputation, you know, the CDs of the world. Um, so creating, you know, an office platform at Sealy company was challenging. Um, there was some great talent there and some great individuals, but it was, you know, truly an industrial company. Um, 
I was also assigned my market was, was Torrance. Um, so, um, you know, if, if I was assigned West LA, I might still be doing office leasing, but, um, I was assigned Torrance. And so, uh, that was, you know, that's a, a very small multi-tenant market, not very dynamic, um, hard market to make a living on. Um, and, uh, you know, I, but I, I started there, I cold called every building in the market, even the 20,000 foot buildings. I, mm-hmm. I got thrown out of a few buildings. Um, and I, I remember, <laughs> I remember thinking to myself, so I went to USC to knock on doors and ask people when their leases expired. And, um, but that's what I was doing. How did you, how did you, how did you, uh, was cold? How, I mean, I, I've seen friends, you know, and I did some of it myself, the cold calling. I mean, that's, that's not for everybody. No, I mean, it's not. It's, 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 it's not, it's not for everybody. Um, and when, when, a, when the manager of a, an office building comes and taps you on the shoulder and said, you, you know, we've gotten a couple of complaints that you're, you know, you're knocking on everyone's doors and trying to see when the leases are up, you know, um, and, and that happened a couple of times. You know, I like to tell young people that the, you know, the two people that complained about me, I, I still remember, Al Escobar complained about me and uh, Sham Mirza uh, complained about me. And I like to tell young people, I said, those guys called and got me kicked out of the building. But I'm going to tell you what, within two years, I, I did. I represented both of them on lease deals and and made money off of them. Um, so so it was challenging starting. And, and today you have CoStar and you can pull up lease expirations. And it's a lot more, you know, the, the uh, transparency on on the leases and every and the decision makers is much different than it was back then. But, uh, you know, it was a hard way to start, but, uh, you never doubted, right? Did you ever have any doubts? It was the right direction. Like when you got uh, another, someone kicked you out and rejection or go away and <laughs> skedaddle. I, you know what? I, there was no option. I was going to, I was going to make it work. I was going to keep doing this and, and, um, and I, I just never doubted it. I was just going to keep doing it. And, uh, I liked the freedom the job had. I liked uh, you know, the ability that, you know, there's no ceiling on income. You could do 40 leases or you could do, you know, two leases. Hopefully it was closer to 40, but uh, um, I, I never had any doubts. I, this is, I was meant to do it. Um, and I actually, I was interested on the principal side as well. But, you know, when I got into the business, you know, we were in a recession and the principal side wasn't an option because everyone was laying people off. So I, I started in the brokerage front. Um, you know, if I had to do it over again, it would have been easier starting at a major house, mm-hmm. um, for what I did, but, um, I, I wouldn't, I, I cherish the relationships today I have with the Sealy Colliers guys. And as I said, we remain friends and some of my, you know, some of my best mentors were from those days at Sealy and Colliers. So I wouldn't change anything. So early in your career, I'm wondering, as you're ascending, were there any noteworthy transactions, deals, or just moments that you reflect on that that were defining? Well, you know, um, I think my third year in the business, I did a uh, a $21 million build to suit lease with Bayshore's Medical Group with Watt Industries. And that was was maybe the biggest deal in the Torrance market. It was the biggest deal. Um, and it was my, my third year in the business. And so that, that was sort of the first big deal I did. And I think people started to notice me. Um, and that was, uh, that was, you know, uh, that was a, a great success and a, a nice commission, which I could, I needed at the time. Um, I remember my first deal in the business was a ground lease for a, 
uh, a fast food burger joint on Central Avenue in Carson, which I, that was my first deal um, in the business. And that was, I remember an $1,800 commission. But, um, you know, I think, you know, the, there's been some big um, moments in my career. I think, you know, one of the biggest ones was in 1995, I decided to give up leasing and become a full-time, you know, investment sales professional. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a, a major move. Everyone was going, what are you doing? Um, I got a lot of, you know, I was a successful landlord rep in the South Bay at that time. Um, had over three, four million, I think over three and a half million square feet of listings. Um, and I walked away from it and, and I started the, uh, Collier's, um, investment sales group, which didn't exist at the time. Um, and so that was, and that was fortuitous because as it turned out, the timing was great. Um, you know, 91 was a recession, 92, 93, there was really no sales. Um, I actually did three office sales in 91 and those are the only three sales in our market. And so I knew I liked sales. And so I, I just, I, 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 you know, moved from this, the uh, Torrance office up to downtown, started the investment sales group, um, and it was, as, it, as I said, it was great timing. Uh, in 96, 97, the market turned and the velocity returned. And um, I was able to increase my market share and, and work for a lot of clients that I was had done leasing for. But, you know, that was probably the big career move. Um, I was single at the time. So, I, it, you know, if I had a family to support, I'm not sure I could have made the move. But uh, How many hours a day were you putting in? <laughs> oh, I, I still put in. I mean, I, I'm still putting in, you know, 60 hours, 70. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a deal junkie. I'm, I'm always working. And so, uh, I don't, I don't think I've ever known a 40 hour week. Um, it's, I, I just work hard and, and, and there's a lot for me to work hard on. So, um, I'm fortunate that way. I think that, you know, the, the, probably the biggest deal, one of the biggest deals in my career is in 2012 on December 20th, I sold the uh, Amazon's corporate headquarters, um, in Seattle, um, in 2012, Amazon what it wasn't what it was today, but that was a, a 1.16 billion dollar sale. It was the biggest sale um, in the nation that year, so that was noteworthy. And also, you know, that helped you know continue some momentum for me. But uh, that was that was also a big notable sale. Uh, no, qu- <laughs> no doubt about that. Um, so, describe your 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 role at Newmark today. You know, um, I'm co-head of capital markets. Um, and so I'm working with Rob Griffin out of Boston and, you know, I always say Rob's the brother I never had. He's, he's a dear friend and and our our values are aligned, um, in a lot of ways. Um, and so, um, you know, we, you know, when I came over here in 1995, I mean, it was sort of a blank slate. We were not a capital market shop. We were not known as a capital market shop. Um, a lot of people, just like they did in 1995, says, what are you doing? Um, but, you know, we, uh, you know, the business is about relationships and, and, and building those relationships. And it's really not about the logo on the card. Um, and so, you know, we, uh, I, I had some other opportunities to do something. But the Newmark one was, was actually refreshing because it was a blank slate. Um, and so I've been involved with hiring 18 capital markets teams here um, and building out a great network. I mean, if you look at our, our West Coast retail team or West Coast office sales team, our 
you know, industrial teams growing. Um, you know, we've done some really exciting stuff and it's, it's just, it's rewarding to watch this grow from where it was to where it is today. And, and to be a, you know, a, a force in the industry, which we are, um, you know, it's, it was, it was different than anything I had done prior in, in my prior years, um, which was all focused just on, just on brokerage. Um, this one, there's much more of a leadership role, um, which I've embraced and I enjoy. And, uh, and it's, and, and as I said, I'm a junkie and, and, and so I'm, I'm touching all the food groups now, you know, multifamily, industrial office, a little bit of retail and, and, uh, life science. And I, I find that exciting. It's, I've always, you know, I've always wanted to have larger geographies and because it, you know, the ability to grow and learn and continue to evolve is, is, is really what's exciting about this and why I still have a passion for what I'm doing. And, and so that's, uh, this role, you know, is a perfect fit for that. Yeah, I can hear it in your voice and you're a builder as well. I can, I can tell. Um, and it seems the enthusiasm has not waned, uh, since, uh, your days at USC. And that's great to hear. Um, so t- I mean, I'm just kind of, for those, uh, you know, who are, are, are not as veteran and seasoned as you that might be listening to this, you know, in terms of the transactions and you're definitely one of the foremost deal makers, um, de- definitely in, in the country or, or at least in the Western region, maybe in the country as well. Um, is it an art? Do you, is, or is it a science or is it intuitive to you? Um, I'm just curious if you could elaborate on that. You know, it's, it's a lot of things. I mean, I, I think um, there is definitely intuition involved um, and that comes from experience. I mean, people hire you because of what you know, who you know, and what you can do with what you know. And, and that, that's, that can't just be replicated. Um, and there's a lot of intuition that comes into that. Um, but this, this business is a marathon. This career is a marathon. It's about giving your clients the best advice for them and not, you know, the best advice potentially for you. And, um, so it's, it's, you know, uh, you know, when COVID hit, I was, I wasn't telling people to sell, um, you know, when we were coming out of the recession, the GFC in 92, 93, I wasn't telling people to sell, um, you know, and, and, and lots of times you're telling people it's not the right time. You should, wait to fight a better day. And, and, uh, um, you know, it's, it's about doing the right thing the, for the client. It's about smarts. It's about working hard. Um, it's about having a great memory. Um, but there is, there is an art to it. And, uh, you know, what we can do for clients at the end relative to pushing pricing, you know, pushing terms, um, that that's something that takes time and, and not everybody has that. And so uh, I, I've been blessed to have that sort of intuitive sense um, for negotiating. Yeah. And you said something that, that, that really resonated with me is that you give the advice that's right for them and that and depends on each client. Um, so you cover a lot of territory, Kevin. Uh, I, my understanding is you're from, from Seattle to San Diego. And uh, this is a question from Greg May. <laughs> uh are one of our, our board members and president elect who uh, suggested I ask of you to do, you know, describe the differentiation between the markets. You know, it's um, as we sit here post pandemic or 
you know, with the vaccine being rolled out, um, you know, this is a totally different recovery than we saw after the GFC. It's very bifurcated. Um, there's, there's a lot of winners and losers by product type, by submarket. Um, and it's completely different than what we've seen in the past with other cycles, you know, to the GFC, everything sort of got hammered and everything suffered and, and then everything sort of recovered, you know, and it was a, a they, they went lockstep with each other, all the, the sort of different food groups. This one, you know, we've, we've seen, you know, for example, retail and hospitality for obvious reasons have suffered immensely industrial because of the growth in e-commerce, the increase in, you know, onshoring, the increase in, you know, the, the increase in inventory that, that, you know, people are planning on, um, you know, there's been an enormous amount of uh, growth on the industrial front um, and, and, and also with Sunbelt multifamily. So, you know, like in Seattle, um, you know, downtown Seattle's got some political headwinds. Um, the vacancy rates risen substantially. The amount of sublease space is, you know, the second highest in the country. And it's a little bit difficult to underwrite there. But if you go to Bellevue on the east side, it's all green lights. Um, I can, it's easy to sell, you know, land for spec office development, you know, over 51% of your tenant base is, is, are the bank tenants in Microsoft. And, and a ton of space was taken by, you know, companies like Amazon and, and Facebook since the pandemic. So the data points are there. And so that market is doing really well. And, you know, as good as it was pre pandemic, um, you know, and, and but, you know, most of the markets on the West Coast aren't um, like in L.A. Most of the markets are struggling and they're looking for you know a bottom on the leasing market and, you know, more data points so that you can underwrite deals. Um, you know, the exception or market, the submarket like Burbank. Burbank is worth more today than it was pre-COVID because it's a, a center of content creation, which is going to be the driver that, you know, leads Los Angeles out. Um same is true, you know, Orange County doesn't have those types of drivers. So it's like most of the market's looking for, you know, those data points and and struggling on the underwriting and, and velocity side for office anyway. Um, and then if you look at uh, like UTC and the Serrano Mesa, office is doing great because life science is a big driver there. Qualcomm's a big driver. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, it's it, the markets are bifurcated. And, and then if you go to food groups, Life science is unbelievably hot. Industrial is unbelievably hot, um, and and grocery anchored retail is hot. But you know, big malls aren't, and you know, although a lot are being repurposed, but it's 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 a it's really um, you know it's it's a bifurcated recovery, and I've never seen it this bifurcated, and and it really is submarket by submarket, and uh, it's actually fascinating to watch. Um, but there's, you know, there's there's clearly winners and losers, although, you know, the recovery is going to progress and, and some of these markets that are looking for data points will get them and will heal and recover. They're just going to take longer than some of these other markets like Bellevue and, and Burbank. Yeah, I agree. It's fascinating. Uh, and hear your analysis is really interesting. I um, you kicked off with Seattle. I spend a lot of time in Seattle. My son attends Seattle University plays baseball there. So I spent a lot of time going back and forth on the 90 between Bellevue and downtown um, Seattle. So I, I understand your description of, of the markets there. Uh, you know, I'm up there quite a bit the last, last two or three years. And I'm, I'm curious on, 
you know, like on retail and hospitality? I mean, where do you where do you see things going? I mean, is it going to be bifurcated by market? You know, I, I, what we're seeing is, you know, grocery anchored. You know, you've got some of those deals, Whole Foods deals, um, trading at you know three and a half sub four caps, and and those are those are as popular as ever. Um, but then you, if you've got strip retail, you're you're suffering, and you, you see that in the public markets as well relative to stock prices. Um, a lot of the big malls, um, you know, they're they're going to have to get re. Reenvisioned, and so we are seeing, you know, malls being repurposed. You're seeing Macy's and Sears being converted to creative office, or, or torn down for multifamily development and mixed use. And you know, so you are seeing some of these um, larger malls being repurposed. And you know, several of those deals are happening right now in Southern California. Um, but it again, if it, it's it's a different story if you're grocery anchored. So I know. Thank you. Um... I know, I know how hard you work. I know you're a junkie. I know your network is r- genuine and significant. Um, and people know that you deliver on results. I, I'm wondering, uh, without revealing your trade secrets, how have you stayed successful? I mean, do you, do you, do you advertise at all? Do you do targeted ads? Uh, any of that kind of, uh, you know, marketing and promotion? You know, it's, um, as I said before, it's a marathon. I think you just, you do the right thing. You lead by example. Um, you know, it's your reputation's all you have. You're, you get, you know, make sure you protect it and you do the right things. You know, that reputation grows and it's really that reputation and, you know, the fact that, you know, repeat business, right? I mean, I've got some clients I've done over 50 deals with, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's doing the right thing. Um it, it, I mean, it, this this industry is about hard work, smarts, and luck. Um, and, and then I've been blessed. I've, I've I've made some decisions. My decision to become a full time investment sales person in 1995, in hindsight, was 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 brilliant. But I, I think part of that was you know divine inter- intervention. I uh, I don't know if that was that smart, but um, <laughs> there's there's you know been moments and crossroads in my career and. You know, and and I've been fortunate to make some some moves that have turned out to be great moves. Um, but it's you know, it's it's also like if you don't know something, just say you don't know, and I'll go find out. Don't always act try to act like the smartest guy in the room, um, and and do what's right by your client. So it's it's really you know the reputation grows as you continue to do what you do, and you you know I've been fortunate. I've got a great team, and and my team allows us to be successful, right? And and our, our team has grown and our influence in, with capital has grown. Um, you know, you, you have, it just becomes easier. It's almost like the uh, business is in slow motion. Um, and, and you can see, you know, how to do things, what you should do, what the right advice is. And, and that's fun. Um, and that just comes with experience. But it's, we don't, really don't advertise, although, you know, the more deals we do, the more times we're in the paper and mm-hmm. the more times people read about you, the more likely they are to reach out and, and, and ask about how you're, how you're being so successful. Well, you mentioned something there, Kevin, I'm fascinated about, and, the, and you mentioned your team and I'm, I'm wondering how do you go about talent acquisition and talent development? Do you have a method or do you have an HR person or is it you or a combination of folks? You know, uh, it's, it's, um, 
you know, a lot of the people approach me and they want to join my team. Um, like Ken White's the quarterback. You know, he came, approached me after he failed to win a bid on the Nissan headquarters campus and said he wanted to, you know, get on the brokerage side. And so um, he was always a great talent. He's a tremendously smart person. And so I was like, okay, great. Let's figure this out. You know, Laura Stum joined me and she's started as an assistant and today she's a fabulous broker and, you know, staying with Rob Hannon. He actually left me, went to work for Kennedy Wilson and, and then came back and wanted to come back and, and work again with our team, which is great. And, and Paul Jones and Brunson, we, I mean, we got some great people, you know, Dave Milestone, you know, like uh, when I came to Newmark, I had, I hadn't met Dave Milestone, but I had a, like a one hour breakfast with, with him and, and it, we were done. He wanted to come over and, um, and work with us. And, and, it, you know, and that, the, that type of confidence and that type of career move, you know, comes from, you know, reputation. And, and, and so um, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, I've been, I've been blessed in a lot of ways and, and I've clearly been blessed with having some great people on my team who are very loyal and supportive. And so, um, but it's, it's the other thing is we're having fun. I mean, we're mm-hmm. every time we sit down, okay, let's talk about this deal. What's, what's our approach? What are we going to do? Um, you know, I do it with so many different teams. I got a different team in Seattle, different team in Portland, different team in San Diego and Orange County and LA and, and, in Phoenix. Right. So it's, and all these markets are different, right. Especially after the pandemic. So, uh, it really is fun. It's really fun what we do. That's great. Uh, well, I want to remind everyone, this is Tim Jamal. I'm the CEO of Neap SoCal. We were talking today with Kevin Shannon of Newmark about his journey, um, and uh, he's very much still in the game. So let's switch gears. At the um, we're, we're, we're entering the home stretch here, Kevin, and I'm, I want to talk or ask you about your involvement in the community and extracurricular activities and how you go about deciding what you're going to do with your time um, on a you know, philanthropic or volunteer basis. Yeah, no, that's, that's hugely important. Um, I'm a big karma guy. Um, you know, what goes around comes around. Um, you know, I, as I said, you know, my, my parents had a big influence on me and, and they, you know, the Catholic religion is extremely important to me. Um, and, and giving back to the communities is, is, is why we're all here. Right. And so, um, you know, I've, I've got some, you know, I'm on the board of the Catholic Big Brothers and one of their biggest supporters, um, Big Brothers and Big Sisters. I am on the, you know, the Caruso Catholic Center board at USC, which is a combination of USC and Catholics. So, I mean, I, I couldn't say no to that. Um, and I, I enjoy the work there and, and growing, uh, working with Father Richard uh, and his his ministry there. Um, uh, those are two of my, you know, active board involvements, um, but relevant to the community. I mean, I, I was, I used to be president of Lamont Bay Little League, um, like in 2009, that was fun. We, 2009, we were in the middle of a recession. So actually had a lot of time on my hands and we remodeled, uh, Lamonte Bay Little League and made it look like a minor league facility. And, and every time I drive by that, I, I look at that and look at what a wonderful facility it is for the community there. And um, but my favorite, my biggest charity is is the Missionary Sisters of the Eucharist. And um, my aunt um, founded an order of nuns called the Missionary Sisters of the Eucharist. And, and they're based in Guatemala. And they have, you know, about six convents and 
anywhere between 35 and 45 nuns. Um, and, uh, um, you know, on my, my aunt passed away from cancer a little over 10 years ago, but I, I made a deathbed promise. Um, I was going to take care of her nuns. And, and so I, I, I've created a foundation for the missionary sisters and it's, uh, you know, I, I think we've, created a vehicle where they're going to be funded and hopefully a long, long, long time beyond my years. And, uh, and so that's my, uh, it's probably my, my favorite charity, but, uh, the that's ones, awesome. the ones, uh, but I, 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 I help, I, I always help. And, you know, there's probably 50 charities I help financially with, but, uh, I do believe, and I, I've taught my team that it's really important to give back to the community and, and help others. And, and, uh, and that's, you know, one of the blessings of, of being able to do what we do. If, if you're successful, I, I strongly believe in, in giving back and, and doing the right thing. Well, I completely agree. And Catholic church has such a long history of providing, you know, vital services to the community. And I'm, I'm really glad to hear all the things you're doing. Um, if I can ask, uh, I know you have a family, you mentioned the little league. How many how many children do you have? And I assume the there's lots of fun stuff the family does. Yeah, no, yeah, you know we're gonna take a vacation in Montana here shortly, and and uh, you know we'll go river rafting and fly fishing and and uh, horseback riding, um, and and those those are special moments. But I I have four children. Patrick's my oldest. He's uh, gonna be a, a junior at SC, and then. Uh, Finley um, is my oldest daughter, and she's going to be a sophomore at uh, Penn State in the fall. And then Mackenzie Marie is going to be a freshman at SMU. And then I got Delaney. So actually four leprechauns, as you can tell by the names. <laughs> um, and Delaney is going to be a sophomore at Palos Verdes High School. So, uh, yeah, no, that's uh, they're terrific. And, and I've got a wonderful wife, Britta, who we've been together um, it's about 24 years now. So. Um, I've been blessed on the family front as well. Everyone's healthy and they say it gets better as you get older. And it's definitely true. Uh, I can appreciate that. You, you certainly covered the, all the geography. So who's going to follow in Kevin's footsteps? <laughs> you know, I, I, we've got some, um, we've got, you know, three or four people on my team that are, are really good. And, 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 uh, so I would, I would, I, I don't, I don't want to say that, but, uh, I'm not anywhere close to the end. Um, you know, I, I uh, my, my partner, Rob Griffin just extended his contract and, you know, that I'll be extending mine as well in a couple of years, but uh, great. Um, but, you know, at some point uh, I think when I am ready to leave, which uh, will be some time from now, uh, you know, we, there's some, there's some, there's some great talent on this team to take over and, and, and this team will continue to do fine. What about your kids? Anyone going to go on the, go on the on the route you're on? I right now it doesn't look like any of my three daughters, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. Patrick is taking some real estate classes and seems interested in it. So it, my son might be. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up in the industry. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised either. Well, I I only have a final question, and it's something that um, Neap Socal. Uh, has been working on is an, and it's a priority for us. And it really is encouraging more people, particularly people of color and more diverse backgrounds to pursue careers in commercial real estate. So I'm wondering, I know how hard you worked uh, and uh, to get where you are, but what kind of advice would you give 
to younger the younger generation who are contemplating a career in uh, commercial real estate and why it's the right path to go? You know, I I, I had a passion for it, which started as I, I said at USC. Um, and, and by the way, your comment on ESG, ESG is going to become more and more and more important. Um, and like we have Laura Stum on our team and she leads a woman's group and, and, and we do need to get more diverse. And, and, and you know, I, I think real estate is, I, I love the business because there's, there's really, you are your own boss. You can work as hard as you want. And by the way, when you start, you should be the first person in the door and the last person out the door. And, and you're not going to make a lot of money when you start. But once you learn the ropes, if you have a good mentor, and I was fortunate, I had, you know, some of my best mentors were Stan Moore and Craig Meyer and Dave Drummond. Um, but if you, you, you have a good mentor, you learn, it's, it's, there's no ceiling on income. And what I enjoy is like each deal, each is different, each negotiation, you know, when I go to sell a property in all these different markets, everything's different. So you don't get bored. And and by the way, on the principal side too, I, I think the principal side is great. I, I didn't start there and I might've started there if, if there was openings when I applied, but um, you know, being in, in real estate and, and being associated with hard assets that generate consistent cash flow. I, I mean, if I had to do something different, I'd tell these young people, don't spend your money on cars, um, spend your, put your, put, I wish I put more money into real estate deals at a younger age. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, there's a tremendous opportunity. Um, and because of the push for increased diversity, there's really a lot of young people that should take advantage of it. It's going to potentially make the road easier. Um, and when you do start, you don't have to start the way I started, which is, you know, knocking on doors and getting kicked out of office buildings. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot easier now, although cold calling is still part of a lot of, uh, the, uh, jobs that you have here, but it's, it's not a necessity, but uh, it's a great business. It's a great industry. And, and the best part of it is I, I get to do business with friends and people I like to work with. And, and, and that's not, not every job allows you to do that. Well, that's good advice. Well, Kevin, I, I, I want to thank you for joining us today. I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, your journey, the work you're doing, your work ethic. Um, it's been a real pleasure to, uh, to go on this uh you know, this journey today. So thank you. Yeah, no, and, and NAOP's a great organization. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to help it. And, and thanks for reaching out. And uh, um, I am, I am fond of the Robin Trobius's and Greg Mays as well. So um, Tim, it was, it was great to, to meet you via the podcast and, uh, and, and thanks for reaching out to me. No problem. Thank you again, Kevin. Uh, everyone, I'm Tim Jamal. I'm CEO of NAOP SoCal. This is our podcast series. Today we spoke with Kevin Shannon, please uh, continue to follow us on social media, and we look forward to connecting with everyone soon. Everyone, have a great day. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.